Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. While we were preparing for this episode, the sad news broke that Sinead O'Connor passed away at the age of 56. At this point, we do not know the circumstances, nor do we wish to speculate. But what is known is that she struggled with mental health issues and suffered the unimaginable and devastating loss of her 17-year-old son last year. Regardless of what happened, we urge anyone dealing with mental health issues to please get help. You are not alone. In the U.S., the National Mental Health Hotline is always open at 866-903-3787. Hey! Here we are all hanging out once again, enjoying ourselves, a special episode of the Only Three Lads podcast, where this episode, I guess it'll be 173. Yeah, 173. We are not going to be taking a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999, to 1999, I should say. But what we are going to do is we are going to have a special episode because we have special things happening around us on our platform. Golden Age of Metal. Of Metal. Oh, yeah. That's right. Brett Vargo, Uncle Greg, yeah. So you guys are going to talk about metal. How's that That, that was very metal. That very was metal. metal. I blew out my voice, but besides that, it's all good. Uh, and the Kool-Aid guy is kind of metal, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, was that the Kool-Aid guy, or who was the other guy, the the, the wrestler? Oh, yeah, that's right. Randy Macho Man Randy Savage. Randy Macho yeah. Man Savage. And nobody is more metal than Randy Macho Man Savage. Nobody, no I way. Think we can agree on that. Exactly. Well, this is a highly unusual and experimental episode for us, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Well, I think it's more in my wheelhouse than yours, Brett. I would say it definitely is. So first, I guess we better explain the reason why we are exploring the music of Metallica today. Yes. Listeners know that we joined the Pantheon Podcast Network a few months ago, and it's been an amazing home for us because, first of all, we're surrounded by like-minded podcasters, and it's been a great forum for us to share ideas, gain some more exposure, and even pick up a few of our recent guests. So yep. this week. Pantheon announced the huge news that joining the family is the official podcast 
of one of the biggest rock bands in history, Metallica. Metallica has a new album, a world tour, and now a weekly podcast. The Metallica Report. I'm Stefan Shirazi, editor of the band So What magazine. And I'm Renee Richardson, director of philanthropy for Metallica's foundation, All Within My Hands. Every week, the Metallica Report brings you updates from inside Metallica HQ. Exclusive stories from the people behind the scenes, like Dan Brown, touring creative director and production designer. The guys are committed to this thing, and it's excellence first. It's achievement first. It's over the top. It's let's make this incredible, and the rest will take care of itself. And Xavier Russell, the first journalist to write a major piece on the band. Kirk Hammett gave me his mother's phone number that I could get in touch with him contributions from the worldwide Metallica fan community. James Hetfield looks up at us and says, you can't sit down on a Metallica show. We sit up. We're like, yes, sir. We're at attention. James Hetfield told us to stand up and we are not going to sit down ever again. Roberto, I'm from Italy and this is my 45 shows of Metallica. Fan questions from all over the world. Hi, my name is Michaela from San Francisco and I just wanted to know who creates the set list. And rumor has it, some of the boys might stop by from time to time. The Metallica Report. The Metallica Report. The Metallica Report. Straight to your ears. Straight from Metallica HQ Weekly. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. This is awesome news for all of us in the Pantheon world. Even some of you listening right now maybe here as a little side road either to or from the Metallica report. So to celebrate the occasion, we're taking our normal top five format and tackling the Metallica catalog O3L style. But but what? I was just going to say there's a little catch to this. So What's the catch? I got to hear it now. I'm kind of excited. The catch is that if this is your first time listening to us, we are a classic alternative music podcast. Punk, new wave, indie, I mean, all of these different subgenres. And Greg, I know we're going to talk and I would love to hear your relationship with Metallica's music, but I want to make the admission that I am not a Metallica fan. This is the rub here. I never have been. I probably never truly will be. I mean, nothing I've ever said on this show, especially when I'm talking about my fruity little twee pop or jangle pop or whatever would ever give anyone the impression that they are a part of my musical bubble at all in fact before this week i've never even listened to a full metallica song other than what was played on the radio or mtv in the days when they admittedly ruled those mediums but don't change the dial because this episode at least for me is about trying new things I'm going to do this with sincerity. I did my homework with as open a mind as possible. Listeners know that sometimes an open mind is not always something that comes easy for me. So what I'm saying is stick with us. And Greg, I would love to hear about your history with Metallica's music. Well, for me, Metallica probably, I mean, I heard of Metallica when they first started with Kill 'Em All in 1983 and then in 1984, Ride the Lightning. And then of course, um, Gosh, there was 1986 Master of Puppets, but I, 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 I've heard of them, but I weren't really, I wasn't into them. But then Garage Days Revisited came out 
uh, the 598 EP that came out in July of 1987. And it was just 25, it still is, 25 minutes of bliss. Mm. I would just take my cassette and I wore that thing out. It's the 598 EP, Garage Days re, well, yeah, Revisited. Basically, it's so cool because Jason Newstead, of course, he had just joined from the tragic death of Cliff Burton uh, when they were on tour. So this was the first album that Jason Newstead, of course, and it was kind of a, a, a homer pick for me because he was in a band here in Phoenix called Flotsam and Jetsam. Right. And so uh, all of a sudden, like when that guy is in Metallica, it's crazy because, you know, Phoenix, where'd they find this guy? And then, like I said, just the cassette, I would just turn it over and over and over and listen to it. And that's where I fell in love with Metallica. So then, of course, I went back, Ride the Lightning, Kill Em All, Master of Puppets, started listening to those albums. And then in 1988, I'll talk about that also. And Justice For All came out. And then in the 90s, being on alternative radio, that's when probably some really core Metallica fans weren't too happy with you know, and I could understand Metallica, the Black Album in 1991. It was kind of like this thrash band, this heavy metal band. And then your sister is asking to use your Metallica CD. And she's <laughs> starting to wear black T-shirts and putting on eyeliner really thick. And you're like, this is sucks. And then, you know, then they come <laughs> out. But the songs are great. I mean, that that album is just, God, it's awesome. And then you have, you know, uh, Load and then Reloaded. And then, God, I I, I was so happy. I remember in 1987 working on alternative radio and whenever I could end one song and give me fuel, give me fire, give me that, which I desire. Uh, it just gave me such joy. And um, I just loved all that music. I still love Metallica. Never seen them live in concert. I'm kind of shocked at myself for that. Yeah. But I've been a Metallica fan for a very long time. And uh, I think that people will enjoy my list and I can't wait to hear what the list you came up with. Yeah. I'll assume that, most people listening will know the basics of this band. And you mentioned a lot of the albums in their catalog, but just to catch us all up. So Metallica formed in Los Angeles in 1981. Drummer Lars Ulrich placed an ad in a local paper and then guitarist James Hetfield responded. The band was christened after one of the possible names for a metal fanzine that Ulrich's friend Ron Quintana was considering. And then they soon recruited guitarist Dave Mustaine, who we all know later from Megadeth because he would be fired in 1983 for substance abuse and erratic behavior and then replaced by longtime guitarist Kirk Hammett. Name the band Kurt Hamlet came from to join Metallica quick. Exodus. Uh, okay. He was founder of that band. You, I'm sure really? you don't. Exodus. If you don't know Metallica, yeah. You ever hear of them? I, I have heard of them. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I, I was going to guess the cow sills, but okay. Yeah, no, no, no. It's close, though. Real close. He did a great version of the rain, the park, and other things. <laughs> yeah, hair. You know, gosh, because he had the hair. It's already there. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. Long, beautiful hair. <laughs> exactly. So bassist Ron McGovney would soon be replaced by the late Cliff Burton that you mentioned. Hetfield referred to the band's pile-driving sound as power metal. And in 1984, mm -hmm. Kerrang! writer coined the term thrash metal to describe bands like Anthrax was who he was directly uh, attributing mm -hmm. that to Metallica and their like-minded peers with their aggressive guitars, insanely fast paced drumming, bellowing vocals and shredding lead guitar breaks. So before the recording of first album, kill them all, the band relocated to the San Francisco Bay area 
And that debut and the two that you mentioned, 1984's Ride the Lightning and 1986's Master of Puppets, are considered landmark albums of metal. In September 1986, while on tour in Sweden, the band's bus skidded off the road and overturned, tragically killing Cliff Burton. Their future was in limbo, and with the blessing of the Burton family, Metallica decided to carry on and brought in bassist Jason Newstead. And it was that band's lineup that propelled them to a household name, one of the biggest rock bands on the planet, with a huge hit record with the ambitious double album Injustice for All and the mega-selling self-titled Black album from 1991, which, of course, we all remember, Metallica fan or not, that it was all over radio and MTV. And I'd say safe to say from that day forward, Metallica has been a rock institution. Albums, including a 2011 collaboration with Lou Reed called Lulu, which was his last full-length album project, and their new album this year, 72 Seasons. They've also been playing to sold-out stadium crowds across the globe. And in 2009, Metallica was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, they're great. And I remember, because I have a friend who I haven't seen in a long, long time, but she was on, she used to go on tour with Metallica. So there's a lot of great stories and a lot of like, you know, rock star problems that she would tell me about, like, which model do I take and which color Beamer do I drive? And, uh, but, you know, and then people, you know, fade to black, that was a great song off of Ride the Lightning. And it had, they were like, they sold out, they sold out because they had acoustic guitars yeah. in that song and stuff. Then uh, they were like, yeah, we sold, yeah, we sell out every stadium. And they're not kidding. <laughs> no matter where they go around the world, they, they're they the biggest thing going. I mean, yeah. this is probably one of the biggest bands ever in the history of humankind and probably will continue the way the music industry is now. And before we get into this, one more show note. Music from today's episode will be available via Apple Music and Spotify playlists if you look up O3L E173 Top 5 Metallica songs on either of those services. We will also have links in the show notes on your podcast platform right now, as well as on our social media pages. That's all I have to say. All right. All right. You ready? Let's get into the list. I'm oh, excited yeah. to hear oh, your list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get into the list so we can find out what your favorite Metallica songs are. Man, I hardly even know you this week. I know, huh? It's late. I hate my job, just like everybody. So I escape into music. And when I can escape into Metallica, hot damn. You know what Metallica would do? They would say, good. Turn it up. Kill them all. Kill them all. All right. Well, All right. you want me to go first? You want to go first? Yeah. You know what? Since you are better versed in this, kick it off for us. All right. Let's kick it off. And with a great song. And I know this is a lot of real Metallica fans who've been around for a long time. You're going to love this pick at number five, kicking off my list of my top five Metallica songs. It's off Ride the Lightning in 1984. Am I evil? Yes, I am. That's number five. Love that song. I can remember, gosh, being drunk at, you know, probably 17 years old in the middle of the desert north of Phoenix, chasing Wild Burrow in a Suzuki Samurai, <laughs> jamming that song, chugging beers, having a great time. And uh, yes, that's my number five song. Now, is that a cover of the Diamond Head song? I just know Metallica. Diamond okay. Head's to hell with them. Oh, but yeah. probably not. Am I evil? Yes, I am. And you know what? It looks like it is. It is a cover of the Diamond Head song. Oh, there you go. Well, I thought there Metallica. I care about Metallica more. Diamond Heads. Well, there you go. 
cover song great song love it my number five i'm actually going to bring up diamond head as well so first of all i've got to say that i've listened to more metallica music this week than i ever thought i would in my life one thing i've got to say is like it or not they are totally committed to putting the heavy and heavy metal from the very beginning to their latest there are not a lot of moments of lightness in their catalog which isn't to say there's a musical variety or progression but even their ballads are just heavy and carry this weight of darkness. But anyway, so my number five comes from the very beginning with a track from their 1982 demo tape, No Life Till Leather, later re-recorded for Kill Em All, called Seek and Destroy. The first thing that drew me to this track was the title because it kind of called to mind Iggy and the Stooges' Search and Destroy, so you got my attention right off the bat. So listening to this early 1982 version, which was one of the few recordings made with both Mustaine and McGovney, you can already hear the genesis of the Metallica sound. While I really can't say that there's a certain innocence to a song about a brutal killer, there is a freshness as the band figures out who they are. It sounds a little more indebted to their heroes like Diamond Head, for example, with Hetfield not quite discovering all of that gruffness in his voice quite yet, but the riff is great, the reverb on the track lends itself well to the arrangement. And actually, the opening lines made me chuckle. I'm probably going to say a lot of things this episode that will get me in trouble. But in retrospect, the lyrics are almost a little spinal tappy. You know, they're like lyrics that you would make up if you were coming up with a metal parody. We're scanning the scene in the city tonight. We're looking for you to start up a fight. There is an evil feeling in our brains but there's nothing new. You know, it drives us insane. Number five, seek and destroy. I just want to say I connect with that because even now I want to seek and destroy. I want to go drink. It's, it's about teenagers getting drunk and fighting. It's awesome. Yeah. That's what I get. what I get from. I could be totally wrong. It could be about going to church and helping nuns, you know, get money for the poor, but that's I'm just probably saying, more likely. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But I, I, what, what I hear is, you know, when you're a teenager and you're full of dumb and you get liquid man in you, and then you have different, you know, people just want to go out and fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the rest of the lyrics make it sound more like a serial killer. Well, that's so, what it is. Yeah. All right. Kill them all. Kill them all. LOL. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, my number four, if you talk to real hardcore Metallica fans, they're going to tell you that Master of Puppets, that album from 1986 was the peak of the band, that that's like their most favorite album uh you know that's where they were hitting on all cylinders and what kicks off that album is this song battery now it it's it starts off and it sounds like a western like a spaghetti western like clint eastwood and a few other guys are staring at each other right before they pull their guns and start shooting but then it kicks in and you know the cats are going to get pregnant and shit going to break. So I love this song. It's loved it for a long time, but off Master and Puppet's Battery, my number four song. Anytime you can make a song that gets cats pregnant, I would say that's a win for all. I Yep, totally. Yeah. I am right yeah. there with you. I'm going to go kind of the opposite for my number four, right? You mentioned that a lot of Metallica fans consider Master of Puppets to be the pinnacle. This album that I'm choosing my number four song from, I think a lot of Metallica fans consider it to be pretty near their nadir it comes from the 1996 album load and i remember when this album was released it not getting great reviews the songs you know were called a little turgid and 
maybe a little more straightforward without all the crazy tempo shifts and twists and turns that fans had come to expect. And it's maybe even a little more in line with 90s grunge, but as an outsider who has never heard a lick of this record before this week, it still sounds like a metal album, but I can totally see what people meant. But I think any similarity to grunge is probably more likely the result of the band having kind of a a sneaky influence on the grunge scene more so than the other way around. At least that's what I take from it. But the track I'm picking from that album is one called Bleeding Me, which probably actually both exemplifies and defies the criticisms of the album. So first of all, it's over eight minutes long. It gives the band plenty of room to move. So there are several movements throughout the song with extended guitar solos and a lot of dynamics. But that being said, it doesn't really deviate from its plotting groove. And during some parts, it could actually probably pass for something on an Alice in Chains or Soundgarden record. See, I told you I'd say things to get me in trouble. (laughs) But what I do find appealing about this song and why it's my number four is that when the track first started, I could hear shades of Pink Floyd circa Dark Side of the Moon right down to, I'm going to assume it's played by Kirk Hammett, the phased psychedelic lead guitar tone that sounds like it was ripped straight out of the Dave Gilmore songbook. So I wish they had explored that a little bit more, but hey, Metallica going metal, right? Number four, Bleeding Me. Good pick. Thank you. Now, I want to say after 1991, the Metallica, the Black Album came out in 91, Load 96, Reloaded in 97. A lot of people uh, were upset because they, you know, they sold out or they were too popular. You know, they were huge and still are huge, but they were everywhere. And do you know who helped them produce those albums? It's somebody from our genre of classic alternative music. Well, I know that Bob Rock had produced them. That's him. Right? And he was okay. from the Payolas. He was from you the Payolas. The Eyes of a Stranger. Yep. The great Canadian band. Yes. And they really didn't make a splash here, maybe because it was their name, because, you know, you, it's against the law to, for Payola on American radio. So maybe that's why they stayed away from him. Maybe they only had the one song. I don't know. But it was Bob Rock, and Bob Rock was huge for Metallica. And uh, if it wasn't for him, I mean, but they all worked together. Yeah. I mean, but th- those albums were great and took them to new heights. New heights. And the Paolas were cool. I think I have most of their albums and yeah. very underrated band. Right. And Bob Rock in there, he's the guitarist. He's got these big 80s type brown glasses and he's got feathered, you know, hair and all this kind of great scene. I mean, then to think he grew out his hair and hung out with Metallica for like a decade. And then Rick Rubin later produced Metallica. You know, Rick Rubin's great. Rick Rubin that is guy really is everything he touches. It's like, I think he'd be a weirdo, you know, like sitting at his house. I'll bet you he's been too successful for too long to not be like eccentric. I mean, he's rich, so he's not crazy, but he's rich. So he's eccentric. And I think that you would find him to be very eccentric. If we got to sit down and talk with him, I think we'd be amazed. He's probably got great stories, but then he would probably, I don't know, pop the head off of maybe like a squirrel and eat its brain or do something weird. That's what I'm saying. He could, but I mean, yeah, I mean, look at it. So he produced everyone from LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys, Run DMC to Johnny Cash, Metallica. I mean, what a vast and varied production catalog he has oh yeah eminem but he's also very smart when it comes to his musical aptitude and he has a podcast it's kind of second fiddle to only three lads obviously but, yeah but 
It's very good. You know, even down to the the Hulu, the I think it was six parts uh, interview with Paul McCartney that was fantastic. So oh, wow. I have a lot of respect for Rick Rubin. Yeah, no doubt. Me too. I think he's great. I just think he's probably very eccentric. I'm sure he is. All but right. so are we really when you think about it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Probably nothing like that because we're not rich. So we're just crazy. That's a good point. He's, good point. He's rich. Yes. So there you go. Well, are we going to keep going or are we going to take a break? Uh, let's take a quick break. All right, let's do it. And then we'll be back. Third top five Metallica songs on this special episode of the Only Three Lads podcast. This is Bill Kopp, author of Disturbing the Peace, 415 Records, and The Rise of New Wave. And you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Your show is called Only Three Lads, but I only hear two lads. What's up with that? Why don't you change the name to Only Two Lads? Great question. Yes, it's true. Once upon a time, there were three lads. One left the show, and now there are two. But I guess the question is, why should we? We've grown quite fond of the name, and it gives us the flexibility to have a guest as a third lad, or make the collective third lad you out there in the O3L community. So we definitely appreciate it when you engage on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Send us your lists, comments, and stories. Together, we can continue to make O3L one of the premier destinations for classic alternative music lovers everywhere. Music is Boredom by R-O-L-V-N-D. For more, visit soundcloud.com slash Y-U-N-G-R-O-L-V-N-D. Now back to the show. Thank you once again for your support. We really do appreciate it each and every week. I'm hearing uh, that we may have the biggest month ever this month. We're just saying. I'm hearing that too. Yeah, it it could happen. And we want to thank you for that. Not only uh, keeps uh, Brett and myself out of trouble, 
Uh, we get to focus on other things besides our suck jobs and our suck life and our suck drive to work and our suck bills and our suck mortgage and our suck food bill. I mean, yeah. it's all so I just really want to thank you. It really gives me a reason to make it each week because we get to record this. I get to hang out with Brett. We talk music. I learn things. I learn new music. I get to meet great people on our podcast. Uh, so just thank you so much. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be on this platform doing this special episode of Metallica. So just thank you very much. Ditto. I mean, I can't say it any better than that. Uh, maybe. Or any more metal than that. Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. That was pretty metal, huh? Suck and suck. It was. And, right. Everything sucks. Well, I really meant it. I'm not kidding. So yeah, I really didn't mean any part of that. I just, uh, I just really want to be independently wealthy so I don't have to do anything ever that I don't want to do. And I can have somebody take care of all my problems for me. I mean, it's not like I'm asking for the world. I'm just saying that's yeah. what I want. Just financial know? security forever. And yeah. yeah. And, and maybe a few Asian girls. Wouldn't be horrible. You know, you know, if I had a lot of money, I probably, you know, would open a, a home for wayward foot models, stuff like that. Um, you know, nothing weird. <laughs> Just saying, no. I, no. I, yeah, I just want to take care of people, and that's what I, I'm a people person, as everyone can tell on 173 episodes of the Only Three Lads podcast. Yeah, yeah you are a philanthropist. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just want to help people. Just want to put my mm -hmm. arms around the world and say, we can do better, and we could do it together. Bless you, Uncle Greg. Yes. Bless you. All right, let's get back into right. our top five Metallica song list, and uh, this is our first crossover. Here we go. You ready for it? Really? Off 1983's Kill Em All, Seek and Destroy. Whoa. Yeah, I love the song. It's great. Everything you said, I was like, yup, yup. So can't say it any better. So there you go. Seek and Destroy, number three for me. Man. All right. I was wondering if we would have crossovers. Yeah, me too. You, th I think you said earlier today, you thought we would have three. I'm going for two, possibly. So here's the thing. I thought we would have three. That was not one of them that I thought. Oh, really? Well, how about that? I thought my number five and my number four would be unique. I think my top three, at least I thought, might have some crossovers. So, and then, well, like, like you never thought of the, the song Battery, but you got to listen to it. I did listen to Battery. Oh, you like Battery? So you get the Clint Eastwood kind of feel at the yes. start, like a Western, yeah, yeah. and then it kicks in. Yeah, I love it. So I listened to Kill Em All. Master of Puppets, uh, uh, Ride the Lightning. So I, I guess, you know, going in chronological order, Ride the Lightning, mm -hmm. Master of Puppets. Uh, I did not listen to all of Injustice for All. Ooh, got to. I sampled quite a bit of it. But those first three albums, I listened to the whole thing. And then the rest, I kind of went through the tracks. And, you know, if something grabbed my attention, then, uh, then I'd stay on it. Very cool. Yeah. I'm trying. That's all you can do. But, I mean, I did tell you. And this... This will really rankle the Metallica fans out there that after listening, I did have to turn on some Carly Rae Jepsen to kind of, yes. you know, <laughs> wah, wah, cleanse my wah. palate, so to speak. That's not, come on. Call me, maybe. If anybody gets upset with anything I say, just keep that in mind. That's the kind of person you're dealing with here. <laughs> yes. He's a clean liver, people. He's good. He's a good man. I'm a fine man. Yes. But very metal yes all right so my number three is the title track from 1986's master of puppets one of the things that became really evident as i was listening to some of these albums was that their song structures are very progressive 
Musically, they may seem about as far away from bands like Caravan and King Crimson as you can get, but there are some definite parallels. And the song Master of Puppets is a harrowing suite that seems to tell a tale of addiction from the viewpoint of the demons of addiction themselves, which is a pretty interesting device. Or as writer Mick Wall puts it, the invisible forces of control that govern all of our lives. So by the time the song winds its way down its snaky paths to get to its ultimate sinister laughter, you're left feeling completely spent and needing to listen to some Carly Rae. I mean, am I right? <laughs> but it's an incredibly complex piece. And I don't usually like to read from Wikipedia. That's not my style. But there is no way in heck that I could have pieced this all together any better than this. So I want to read a quote from said Wikipedia regarding the insanely technical structure of the song. Master of Puppets consists of several riffs with odd meters and a cleanly picked middle section with a melodic solo. Two verse chorus sets lead to a lengthy interlude to another verse chorus set. The opening and pre-verse sections feature fast downpicked chromatic riffing at around 212 beats per minute in mostly 4-4 time. Every fourth bar of each verse and the outro is cut short by more than a beat. The time signature of these bars is often idealistically analyzed as being 5-8, but it is performed with a delay after the third beat, making it closer to 21-32. Wow. A lengthy interlude follows the second chorus, beginning with a clean, arpeggiated section over which Hetfield contributes a melodic solo. The riffing becomes distorted and progressively more heavy and Hammett provides a more virtuosic solo before the song eventually returns to the main verse. I mean, the best I could come up with was that the first part of the riff kind of reminded me a little bit of the midsection of Black Sabbath's War Pigs, and that was about as articulate as I could get on it. But I mean, there you have it. These guys are, like them or not, musical geniuses that are capable of things that 99.9% .9 of musicians out there would not even think of it wouldn't be in their peripheral vision so anyway pretty impressive yes and um please don't ruin metallica for me you had me doing math during that whole time and i'm like what 1735 <laughs> on the five eights on the one two three and then two squared and i'm just like what the hell are you talking about i mean my songs are verse chorus verse middle eight chorus chorus maybe an instrumental break thrown in i can't even fathom 21 32 time my brain doesn't work that way well we could train your brain to work that way i don't think we With could the scurvy we're gonna do one damn it uh, if the scurvy ever does anything in 21 32 time shiver me timbers color me impressed <laughs> well yeah well you know what's so great about metallica you gotta think 40 years ago their first album came out yeah 40 years ago 40 years you know the the life expectancy of a band maybe five and to be relevant and still on top of the game and on top of the world like they are that's impressive and that's because they keep on putting out music that matters and there's really no rival to them like that there's very very few bands like u2 metallica paul mccartney you know, like these are the people who are going to be the biggest artist ever, even if we go a couple more hundred years before the asteroid hits and tears the earth apart. Or we become like Blade Runner and we just bake from the outside in. This metal. is sounding very metal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. So you're ready. Well, this is my number two song. And as we were saying, 
between Master of Puppets and one, the 598 EP came in. So that could have just been one song, but there's a songs on there, but I just remember loving each and every one of them. But that's what got me into them. And then in 1988, Injustice for All came out. Now, Brett, you already talked about the MTV, the song One. Uh, that was the very first video that they made, and it was like nothing on MTV at the time. At the time, you had Poison and Rat and got, you know, Warren and all these like great bands that were fun, but they're all wearing spandex and they're all jumping around and it was fun stuff. But Metallica was just something different. It was still, mm -hmm. you know, blue collar. Uh, they weren't pretty. The, um, you know, they didn't, you know, have slow-mo F me faces. They just played their guitars and had their hair fly. And uh, that's that video one is really what got, I think that's when the mainstream, like they were, they had a huge fan base, but then when Injustice for All came out, and as you said, probably most people, a lot of people discovered Metallica with that song one, and it mm. still stands up. It's great whenever you can jam it in your car, driving to work, just put it on, put it on, and just start ramming cars around you. Get out of my way. <laughs> All that I see, absolute horror. I cannot live. I cannot die. Oh, it's great. It makes you get to work on time. You might have a few dings in the car, but you know what? To hell with it. It's worth it. So, no. Metallica won off Injustice for All, 1988, number two. Metallica one is two. Amen. Amen. Cool. So with my limited knowledge and exposure to the band's music, I know I'm probably not going to surprise anyone with this choice. So my number two is a song that people like me most closely associate Metallica with. From 1991, it's Enter Sandman. Think about how huge this track was. It hit number 16 on the Billboard Top 40 charts. Number 16 and even crossed over to the modern rock charts, which is intended for alternative geeks like us. Like me, yes, yeah. exactly. I remember playing Metallica, yeah. it's crazy. And then the corresponding self-titled Black Album, think of how big that is. One of the biggest and most iconic records ever, a number one smash that became the third longest charting album in US history behind Dark Side of the Moon and Carol King's Tapestry. I mean, that's staggering. Yeah, it was like, what? It was like 488 weeks or something like that. It was on the Billboard Top 488 weeks. Gosh. Yeah, 488 weeks. Sold 17 million copies roughly in the U.S. alone. Biggest album of the SoundScan era. It sold 31 million physical copies worldwide. Wow. Those numbers would have been unthinkable for a band like Metallica four or five years prior. So for context, Enter Sandman, when this aggressive, frightening, nightmarish anti-lullaby peaked on the Billboard charts on October 12th, 1991, it was flanked by Heavy D and the Boys, now that we found love at number 15, and Prince's Cream at number 17. The number one song that week was Emotions by Mariah Carey. Ultimately, it's about as close to a pop song as Metallica would ever get. I mean, think about it. Even the most casual of fans or non-fans for that matter knows the unmistakable riff and can sing along to exit light into not take my hand. Oh, We're off to never, never, never let. Bow. 
Sorry for appropriating yes. that melody, Metallica. Heck, even being pretty staunchly anti-metal as I was and still am, I had a bit of fun. And around that time, I recorded an Enter Sandman influenced song for my 1993 self-released album called The Computer Album 2. It was a very metal song recorded solely using a Commodore 64 computer. I mean, how metal is that? Yeah. I called it Mr. Nightmare, and it was complete with synth flutes and uh, lyrics about bunnies. So, wow. I say die, bunnies. Die, bunnies. I think that makes me Metal AF, <laughs> which I believe stands for Metal Authority Figure. Maybe? That may, something like that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. All right. So number two, Enter Sandman. Wow, great pick. Great Thank pick. You. Thank you. You know, and I always think about, remember Woodstock 94, which is now 30 years ago? Isn't that uh, crazy? Yeah. That was their 25th anniversary. Yep. God, I remember that because I was driving the uh, station, the radio station van. I parked it in front of my house and somebody graffitied it. Oh. You're, you're ripping off the counterculture and uh, whatever. But uh, Woodstock 94 was you know, the mud fights and stuff. And then in 99 is, was the limp biscuit where everything got violent. Yeah. And then they haven't done it since. So pretty. No, sad. I, I, I thought they, did they do a 50th anniversary? I think with a few yeah. of the original Woodstock people, but I don't yeah, think it was it big. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah. big like uh 94 and 99. I think 94 yeah. was that the year. I think the only reason I watched any of that was uh, Elvis Costello was playing. That could have been, well, that's a good reason. I think it was 94. Yeah. yeah. Probably 94, because yeah. in 99, it was all like, you know, the new metal. Limp Bizkit. Yep. Yeah. But I remember Metallica on the 94. Okay. And they played a song. It's going to be my number one song, so. Really? Yeah. It's oh, a great well. song. All right. So, what are we going to do for this break to entice people to stick around to hear our number one Metallica song? Ooh. Shall we leave them on a cliffhanger? Yes. That's what they call it. That is metal, by the way. <laughs> like Carly Ray Jebson. Is that how you say her name? That is how you say her name. Oh, hot damn. I got yeah, it right. Good so job. call me maybe. All good right. Job. Hey. <laughs> I will. One brain zero. There you go, bitch. That's metal. All right. I'm Uncle Greg. That's Brett Vargo. Stick around. Our number one Metallica songs coming up after this. Only three lads. Uncle Greg, like a child, he's an ADHD mess. You know he's a window licker, right? Ooh, something sparkly. Only three lads. Only three lads. Brett Vargo, Brit Pop Master, and the chicks dig him. What? That's not him? <clears throat> Brett Vargo, Brit Pop Master, and his wife says, ugh, he's okay. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. 
And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Hi, A. This isn't Sarah McLaughlin, but if it was, I'd ask you to help the Only Three Lads podcast. They need you to rate them and write reviews on your favorite podcast platform, share their social media posts, tell your friends to like their pages, and please buy a t-shirt. All of this helps to save these beautiful, innocent podcasting creatures. Look into their eyes and hear their cry for help. Don't be a hoser. Be an angel. Welcome back. Don't forget, we are the only Three Lads podcast where each and every week we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. So if you're here for the first time, thank you so much. Uh, If you don't know much about alternative music, come join us. You're going to love music, uh, regardless if it's metal or not, but you're going to learn so much more about alternative music if you hang out with Brett, and then I hang out with him and learn a lot too. So that's what I'm telling you. If you uh, like this episode, we usually do a lot more. We have a lot of great guests. We have a lot of cool people. And uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us. We're on all of the podcast platforms. The easiest way to find us, just go to Google, tell your smart speaker, whatever. The Only Three Lads podcast, 173 episodes in. We're easy to find. You can even use your best metal voice. Play the Only Three Lads podcast. Wow. That was not very metal. That, that wasn't metal. That was more more like you were like losing something. All right. We're taking a look at Metallica and our top five songs. And Brett, why did we do this special episode once again? Just in case people are tuning in a little bit late. So once again, and I don't know if that's the way podcasts work, but maybe they maybe they hit the little uh like Yeah, they sometimes yeah, you know, they go scroll, forward. Scroll forward, yeah. yeah. So just in case you missed it, the reason why we were doing this special episode is the official podcast of the band Metallica, straight from Metallica HQ, the Metallica Report. I I mean, I guess now Metallica are practically our brothers because we are all a part of the Pantheon podcast family. So this is a big deal for Pantheon and everybody here. So we are doing our part to help celebrate this monumental occasion. And Brett, that's called setting the table in broadcasting. You did it very well. You're welcome. I'm learning. 173 in. There you go. All right. Number one, Metallica's song for me. I told you Woodstock 94. They played this song and it was just, God, it's great. I sometimes just go on YouTube just to hear it again and again. But I'll never forget also uh, hearing my buddy um, in 1992. I think it was 92. My friend in the Navy, Tony Cassone. He uh, came to Phoenix to hang out with me and my family, and we went to a strip club. Of course. And, of course, and it was on 19th Avenue in Thomas. If you've ever been to Phoenix, you know, that's probably not an area where you mm-hmm. want to hang out, but we're young, dumb, full of beer. So we go there, and um, the DJ starts playing the song, and Tony just starts belting it out, and it was pitch perfect. I didn't even know that guy could sing. 
He's like, oh, yeah, I've been in bands. And it was like so awesome. But it's uh, one of my favorite songs off Ride the Lightning, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Love that song. I love the bass that kicks it off. So, you know, I'm a big bass guy. If you ever listen to the Only Three Lads podcast, I'm all about groove. Just like one. One's a groovy song. For Whom the Bell Tolls is that for me, too. So number one for me, my number one Metallica song, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Off Ride the Lightning. Nice pick, because I know that one now. Yes, there you go. Yeah. My number one is a crossover. Oh, good. My number one is also going to come accompanied by another personal story, because it was the first time I ever heard anything by Metallica. I had only known of the name from the Hessians. I don't know what you, what did, what did you call the, uh, the metalheads of your school? Were they the stoners? Were they the metalheads, the headbangers? Headbangers. Headbangers? What, you know, I mean, the, at my high school, everybody was a stoner. So even jocks ah, and stoners, gotcha, like we also, gotcha. they were Joners, and then they were stoners, and then they were headbangers, that sort of thing. Okay. But we all got along. We called them Hessians, and I don't know if that was just our school thing or if that was like a, a real thing. But anyway, so the, the Hessians at my school, they wore the Metallica shirts, and frankly, they scared me a little bit. They were the kind of kids that my group didn't really associate with. They always looked stoned, sullen, and kind of mean right or wrong that was my teenage perception and when we're teenagers we have all of these little ingrown prejudices so and yes it did turn out to be wrong because when i started playing guitar i began conversing with a lot of these kids who i wouldn't have before and there were people who maybe didn't have the same musical or even lifestyle background as i did but we shared this common bond and one of my hessian friends was a guy named Jeff. He was the kid who could grow a mustache at 14 and his mustache matched his mullet perfectly. He Beautiful. also happened to be underneath that exterior, one of the nicest dudes I could ever meet and a brilliant guitarist. So once we struck up a friendship, he invited me over to his house one day and he was determined to teach me his favorite song, which was one by Metallica. He started the tape and played along with it fluidly and note perfect. He showed me each little part, or at least he tried to. The intro that I can only describe as pretty, and I know that's probably not uh, an adjective used for a lot of Metallica, but it's kind of pretty. He taught me, or again, tried to teach me each solo, tried to teach me the machine gun guitar in the midsection of the song during the taking my arms, taking my legs bit. I did okay with little pieces of it. I could kind of muddle my way through it. And I tried like the Dickens to follow along because that's how we metal guys talk. I tried like the Dickens, <laughs> but I didn't. And I still don't have the technical proficiency to pull something like that off because it struck me even when I was probably 14, 15 at the time that this song, like Master of Puppets, is a highly technical and very accomplished song. It also struck me how well the song was recorded. Even during those little scuzzy, overdriven bits, it's an absolutely pristine recording. It also struck me that the song was a little bit, maybe I'm off base here, but kind of almost like Bohemian Rhapsody in how the song goes through its movements and then at the end culminates in this like ultimate headbanger bit, you know, of course, without the laughs and the little 
Scaramouche cheesiness, but it also struck me that this song describing the living hell of a disfigured soldier suffering from PTSD and praying for the release of death was far too heavy and poignant for my teenage heart to handle. And it's for that latter reason that I don't think I've probably listened to this song in its entirety for a good 33 years, but I hear it now and it's still powerful, still brings back that flood of memories. So it kind of seemed like a fitting number one for me. One. There you go. One. One is one. One is one. Yeah, one is one. Great list. Great list. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Our top five Metallica songs to celebrate their new podcast. Crazy. Want to run down? Let's do it. All right. So kicking off my list off Ride the Lightning, Am I Evil at number five. At number four, the kickoff to Master and Puppets. Probably one of the best songs to ever kick off a metal album. The song is Battery. At number three, Seek and Destroy off Kill Em All. At number two was one off And Justice for All and my number one Metallica song, For Whom the Bell Tolls off Ride the Lightning. All right. And I was number five, Seek and Destroy. Number four, Bleeding Me. Number three was Master of Puppets. Number two, Enter Sandman. Number one, one. And uh, I guess my number six song, I would have picked uh, Welcome Home Sanitarium or maybe just the whole 598 EP. There you go. Which is all covers, right? I am I correct in that? I didn't listen to that one, but I remember seeing that one in the record store as a kid. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Like I said, my tape, I wore that thing out. I wore it out. And did you only pay 598? I did. That's it. Okay, now good. they're probably like, I don't know, inflation, probably at least. I don't know, eight bucks now or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure no, probably, probably more than that. Yeah, because you know, because now you probably could find it, but it'd be at the record store. Be like, dude, this is like, I don't know, like eight point four grams. All right, well, I still have no idea what the hell that means. Yeah, well, that'd be a very thin record, by the way. Fifty bucks. Oh yeah, I have no idea, but that's what it's like. Does it really matter? You know, it's like I remember just buying records, and now this has got like 8.4 grams, dude. And then they took diamonds and they, they made the grooves, brah. And it's just like 50 bucks. And people it's are like, made dude. with Lars Ulrich's urine. Yeah. And then we use this teeth to like cut the grooves, brah. Uh, that might work. You know, like if we remember, cause kiss used to do that. Like they would put like supposedly drips of blood in the red ink for their comic books or whatever. And that was like, Ooh, yeah. Satanist, you know? And, you know, if we can get maybe, I don't know. I know his urine. There have been bands that have put supposedly blood mixed in with the with the vinyl. You know, like they'll take almost like a picture disc. They'll take the two slabs of vinyl and leave a little gap where they'll put like a fluid in there or something. And, it, you know, it's been purported that there's blood in there. One band, and I'll have to remember who it is. One of their band members died and they mixed like a little bit of their ash in the record. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I could see like Ash wouldn't would be like, okay, but I think urine or blood or semen, I, I, that probably would be a biohazard. I mean, yeah. of course, especially if there's like the groove where it would still like, we were still like wet, you know, like, I don't think I'd want to buy that one. <laughs> but I guess if it's kind of pressed into an album, it, it would have gotten so hot, anything would be killed. Yeah, but, but still, you don't want to break that record. No, no, no. you just to be safe. You're like, what is this sticky stuff? This sucks. We, we got to save something for the scurvy album, too. <laughs> exactly. All right. We got to get out of here. We're getting nuts. 
I want to thank Metallica for making great music and for being who they are and for really not sacrificing who they are. It would have been so easy for them to put on spandex and jump around and talk about drinking beer and boning chicks in the eighties, but they didn't. All my songs were from the eighties. Not that I didn't like the nineties stuff, not that I don't like the newer stuff. I'm just saying, I guess that's where my top five songs come from. Yeah. I was looking in their catalog for something of like a, like a pop music concession and there's really nothing there. No. I mean, again, I mentioned Enter Sandman, it, it was about as accessible as I could think of for them, which doesn't mean it's totally pop. Yeah, they're, they're just very unrelenting and, uh, and dedicated to their aesthetic and what they do. So, you know, this week may have not turned, uh, have turned me into a fan. Oh, how dare you? I honestly don't know that I will ever listen to another Metallica song again. Again, I, I'm going to get in trouble here. But what I did find through this exercise was a newfound respect for them and even admiration for them. So even if the music doesn't necessarily take for me, I'm glad we went through this. So I'm going to chalk up this week as a win for all. Awesome. Yeah, you, you even did math because of the band. I did, and it takes a lot for me to do math. Well, just want to thank everyone for once again being a part of this special episode. Hopefully you go find your favorite Metallica songs and listen to our little playlist that we're going to be putting out. Absolutely. Well, it's probably out right now because, you know, Brett, he's poop hot. And so, he's, yeah, he's got it all done. By the time this episode drops, and it is going to drop, my goal is three hours after we hit stop on this recording. We'll get right, this episode ready? out. Hit stop. Timey. Timey. All right. All right. So welcome to the Pantheon family, the Metallica Report. On that note, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.